you have your Bibles, I want you to be turning them to Genesis chapter 18. And Genesis chapter 18, listen, didn't we have a great Sunday last week? We took in new members. We baptized, what, five, five or six? And that's great. Uh, in the meantime, some of you have approached me since last Sunday and said, Pastor, I'm interested in joining the church. And that's great. So we have, we will have another membership Sunday coming up soon. Those of you who have mentioned it to me, uh, I will be, uh, I'll be reaching out to you. And if you hadn't, uh, joined and hadn't mentioned anything to me, but you're interested, please let me know. We would rather have you than we would your name, mind you. But at the same time, we would love to have you make that commitment of church membership as well. So as we go uh, to Genesis, you'll have to advance me one there, Miss Nikki. As we go to Genesis in our scripture, Genesis chapter 18. There we go. Genesis chapter 18. I want you to go down to uh, begin reading at verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre. And while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day, Abraham, of course, Abraham looked up and he saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he turned from the entrance of his tent to meet them and he bowed low to the ground. He said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. Do not pass your servant by. Remember that old song we used to sing? Lord, do not pass me by. You know? Do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. See, Abraham, whether you realize this or not, what Abraham is having is a God encounter. He's having a God encounter. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah, his wife. He went into the tent to Sarah and he said, Quick! Isn't that like most men? Hurry up! Quick! Get three seas of fine flour and knead it and make some bread. Then he ran to the herd and he selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it, probably into prime rib, okay? Then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them while they ate. He stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. She's there in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I surely, I will surely return to you about this time next year and your wife, your Sarah, your wife will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind them. And Abraham and Sarah were already very old. Sarah was past the age of childbearing. If you study this out, you find they were near 100 years old, between 90 and 100 in ages. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, speaking of Abraham, and after my husband is old, 
Will I now have this pleasure? Because see, it was a great honor to have children in that time. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh at us? Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Abraham's asking. Or Sarah's asking. And the Lord answers his own question. He said, is there anything, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now, let me give you a little bit of background here in the scene. God has promised Abraham in Genesis 12 that his seed would become a great nation. He's already given to Abraham a plan. His name was Abram and he changed his name. Sarah's laughter could somewhat uh, be defended because, I mean, let's think about it this morning. Who who really waits till you're nearly a hundred years old to start raising a family? Could some of you ladies that are post 50 years old imagine going through the labor of childbirthing? Some of you don't want to even think about it at 30 years old, do you? It makes little to no sense. So we can defend Sarah just a little bit. Uh, you see, actually, it, it was beyond reason. It wasn't logical at all. But the things of God do not have to follow our logic. I want you to know that this morning. The things of God do not have to follow our Yours and mine, our logic. You see, nothing, I want you to understand this, nothing has or will ever occur in the world, in the universe, in all of existence, nothing has or will ever occur that has not first occurred in the mind of God. Because He is supreme, supreme creator. Pastor Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite preachers, the late Pastor Adrian Rogers, uh, he, he once said this. He offered these considerations. He said, there is no promise too hard for God to fulfill. There is no prayer too hard for God to answer. There is no problem for God, for too big for God to solve. And there is no person that is too hard for God to save. God can do anything. He's God. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. And what all that means is he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and he's everywhere. So the question, is nothing too hard for God? Why are there things that fail to happen in our life? Are there things that you've prayed for that's never happened? Are there things that, 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 that you have heard spoken over you that have, are maybe spoken over another? That have never ever transpired. Are there things in the in the Word of God that we find that have never taken place? I have to, if you'll allow me to answer for you. Most of you in this room are saying yes. You're saying yes. It, it's happened. Have you ever really wondered about that? Have you ever thought about that? Well, why why did God say this and then it never happened? Why did God promise this then it's never happened? Why did I pray this prayer but then it never happened? 
You can find an answer to that in Psalm 78. In Psalm 78 and 41, reading from the New King James wording, in 78 and 1, 78 and 41, excuse me, the psalmist wrote, yes, again and again they tempted God. They tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. You see, what that scripture is referring to is, is humanity limited God. Okay? So, what, what we have, the, the conclusion that we come to, God allows Himself, the Creator, to be limited by His creation, which is me and you. Now, He's a limitless God that limits Himself he limits himself to his word. He will never, he will never work and operate outside of his word. But he also, he's a limitless God. He can do anything. He created all things. He, 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 everything that exists existed in the mind of God before it ever existed in reality. But he's a limitless God that limits himself also to the creation, which are you and I. So he's limited himself to our, yours and mine, Willingness to believe and to trust Him. Jesus died on the cross that all men might be saved. But they're not saved. Men and women, boys and girls, are not saved until they have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. You know, you've heard me say it so many times. But we live in a time, we were watching a little bit of Circle TV last night and they were doing a tribute to the late, great Loretta Lynn. And I, I, I have no reason to disbelieve Loretta Lynn's testimony that she was a Christian, but they were, they, on this TV program, watch it, you sit there and listen to them. All of them were talking about seeing Loretta Lynn in heaven one, one day. Let me tell you something, but if we don't have our hearts and our rights, if our faith is not in Jesus, Jesus Christ as our redemptive Savior, we're not going to see all these people in heaven, even if Loretta Lynn is there. You see, we can limit the power of God to our faith, if you would. God has such a desire. He he chooses for us to love Him and He chooses for us to trust Him. But what happened? What happened? He has God such a has such a love for you and I, and He He accomplished us or He created us. Very much so with our own free will. I want to tell you something. God will never make you do anything. He will never make you do anything. But He's not going to make anybody else do anything either. Frequently, uh, in one of the unfortunate parts of what I do, I, I sit down more times than I care to. I sit down with uh, uh, married couples. Most of the time they're younger, but not necessarily. And I'll sit down with married couples and they're going through marital issues. And one of those, one of those couples will say, well, I just want you to pray that with the Lord that he will make my husband do this. Or the, the husband will say, I just want you to pray that he will make my wife this way. But let me tell you something. God will not make them do anything. 
God will deal with hearts. He will speak to hearts. He will deal with the, the spirits of humanity, which is again us, and He will speak to us. But it's up to us to respond to the to God's call and the nudging of the Holy Spirit. That is called a free will. And every single one of us in this room, every single person, person watching, and will listen. Every single one of us has a free will and God will not invade our space. Now his Holy Spirit will deal with us. His word will awaken, it will remove scales from our eyes. But it's up to us to move in the direction of God. We're privileged to either believe or not to believe. We're pri- we are privileged to have, we have the choice to either respond or neglect to respond. Within our own self-will, God gives us the choice whether or not we will respond to Him. Wow. So when we, and, and I'm guilty as you, when we pray and we're saying, God, I want you to make old so, I want you to, God, I want you to make old so-and-so love me. He's not going to do it. Now, he will deal with them, but he's not going to make them. Okay. So, I want to preach to you this morning a message that I've entitled, Unlocking the Chains. And this message, I realize it already has a different turn to it than you're probably accustomed to. But I want you to pay attention to the message this morning. Uh, and, and by all means, as you know, you know it's recorded uh, on audio. It's also recorded visually. And you may even need to go back and watch it a time or two or three. But But is anything too hard for God? I don't think so. But yet we find that sometimes things do not occur. What happens is you and I, we chain up God. You chain up God. I, I need a couple volunteers this morning. Uh, I need a couple of, Anybody want to volunteer to help me? Anybody? Huh? Okay, I see two volunteers right down here on the second row. Grab, you, can, you can actually grab, to make this more comfortable for you, you can grab a couple chairs, volunteers. And I appreciate Heath and Madison. They, they lead our youth. And I appreciate them both. Actually, they didn't volunteer. They were voluntold. They were going to be helping me this morning. And, uh, and I, so I brought them, uh, I brought them out to, to help me today to illustrate a point. And the illustration probably is as, about as meaningful as the words that I will speak. Chaining up God. Now, Heath and Madison here this morning, they are going to take on a new identity. Heath is going to be Jesus. You can clip that. We got you a clip where you can clip it there. Your wife may have to help you. I know it is how it is when you're a man. And, and Madison is going to be self. So we got, we got Jesus and we, we have self. Jesus desires to live inside of self. I think most of us know that and, and realize that. But sometimes self battles against Jesus. But as we, as we begin to bring Jesus and self together, we're going to illustrate to you some chains. The first chain that I want to show to you, and self is going to begin chaining up Jesus. The first chain is the chain of unwillingness. 
It's the chain of rebellion. The scripture teaches very strongly against rebellion. Rebellion is, in essence, it's refusing to respond to the word or the will of God. And when God speaks to our heart and, and we refuse, you know, and we, we, when we begin to study the, the story of Jonah, Jonah went the, op, the exact opposite, opposite way God was calling him to go. He was rebellious. You see, the chain of rebellion is when, uh, can you all on that side, can y'all see, do I need to back up a little bit? The chain, the chain of, of, of unwillingness or the chain of rebellion, it's refusing to respond to the word. It's refusing to react to the Holy Spirit. God has great gifts for every single one of us, but we have the choice of refusing them. He lets us make that choice. We can refuse everything that God has for us if we so choose. In 1 Samuel 5 and 22, we find there that, that, that in the account of Samuel and Saul, we find the verse of scripture that teaches the principle, obedience is better than sacrifice. And then in verse 23 of that same chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 15, you find that rebellion is compared to divination or to witchcraft, black magic, whatever you want to call it. Rebellion is a dangerous circumstance, not only for the believer, but actually for the unbeliever. But the unbeliever is already living and operating in rebellion because the unbeliever has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So there's already, there's already locks and chains of unwillingness that are placed on Jesus. The second one is the chain of apathy. Apathy. Totally unconcerned. Totally disinterested, if you would. Even to the point of being indifferent or indignant. A- apathy is most often occurs uh, when our agenda when our agenda has succeeded his agenda or or maybe exceeded is the best word when our agenda exceeds God's agenda you know do you realize that that in the church today that is a problem in the church today so oftentimes our agenda exceeds the agenda of God I was talking, Ms. Sarah and I, as we drive, drove to church this morning, we were talking about a particular situation and, and, and how that, that we, we, if we're not careful, all of us can be guilty of, I want what I like, I want what I prefer, I want my prefer. In other words, it becomes our agenda and our agenda exceeds God's agenda. And then when, 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 when apathy comes into place where we're unconcerned and we don't care about really what God wants, the chains of apathy have gone on Jesus. And then there's the change of our perception, which is, I've classified as being religion. It's, it's the chain of preconceived notions, ideas, and opinions. In many years of pastoring now, I've been pastor, I've been pastoring now, what, 31 years? I can't even, I don't even, can't keep count. 31 years. So I started pastoring when I was 10. Is that right? No, 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 not hardly. 
you know, I, 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 I've learned not to ever think I've seen and heard it all. I've, I've, I had, I had a lady one time, I was preaching a message on, on, on good stewardship and we were preaching, and you can't preach on stewardship without preaching on giving and, and of course tithing. And that woman, she stood up right in the middle of the service and she waves a tithe envelope and she said, preacher, I have tried it and it don't work. I said, what don't work, sister? She said, I never got any money back. But see, that was her idea. I thought if you tithe, that God was going to give you money back. One lady one time, and I'm not picking on ladies. It just happened to all these stories are ladies, okay? And one lady one time, she said, I know exactly how to tell when the Holy Spirit is on somebody. I said, really? She said, I know how to tell when it's real. I said, really? How? She said, their lips turn really white. You see, people have preconceived notions and ideas. Every single one of us in this room battle with that to some extent or another. But we also have prejudices. Well, I don't like that kind of music. I don't like that kind of song. I don't like that kind of preaching. I don't like that. You know, I don't like this and I don't like that. We, we have all kinds of prejudices that occur in our life. And what happens to us, then, then our change of perception, because it's not exactly like we think it should be. I want to tell you something. The great, one of the greatest spiritual experiences I've ever had in my life was when I got on a plane and flew, uh, nearly 20 hours to the other side of the world and I got out and, 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 and I was in, um, uh, Nairobi, Kenya on the continent of Africa and the next morning they, I was loaded up in a pickup. I was driven to a village. I was, I was almost tossed out of that pickup and I was said, here's your interpreter. It's 15 after 8 and we'll pick you up later. I'm out there in the middle of nowhere with, with all this African village. They have a little mud hut that's about the, uh, you know, the, uh, about the size of a good double, doubled outhouse if some of y'all know what that is and they're having church in there and by the time we got to 4 o'clock in the afternoon there had probably been 300 people arrived at church I learned in that setting that everybody doesn't worship just like I do but that doesn't mean they're wrong when I saw a young man that had been, he had been a, the victim of a witch doctor, but Jesus had set him free in the middle of service. You know, we've heard stories, and I've heard stories in America about people swinging from the chandeliers. I have, in fact, saw people run the back of the pew, but in that little old hut, in that little hut that was put together out of little old pine or some kind of rails about this big around, that big tall, lanky uh, Kenyan would come down through that church building, and he would grab a hold of those rails and he would sing and he would whistle and he would dance because he would have been set free. In many churches in this country, he would have probably been asked to leave. You see, we can we can become, we can bind up Jesus sometimes with our perception. i got to move along. I'm going to run out of time. Then there's the chain of the hidden treasure. The chain of the hidden treasure is, is, is a tough one. It's a strong chain. It's, it's, a, it's a binding chain. The chain of the hidden treasure is the chain that Anna, Ananias and Sapphira used. 
You see, when Ananias and Sapphira held back their portion, when Ananias and Sapphira refused to admit what they had before the man of God, we know, we know that there was blessing withdrawn. When, when, when the Babylonian treasures hidden under the, the floor of the tent, the battle began to be lost. When, when, whenever there is the chain of hidden treasure, let me, let me share with you what I'm talking about. The hidden treasure is, is unconfessed and unrepented of sin. Unconfessed sin is one thing. Unrepented of sin is another. You can never be repentant of sin until you confess your sin. But you can confess your sin and never repent of it. See, you can confess your sin. You can admit you've got a sin. But that doesn't mean... But repentance is when you do something about it. Because repentance is when... Repentance... In a layman's definition, repentance means you're going this way. I love to watch Gomer Pyle. We watch it about three or four times a week. It's when you're going this way... And, and, and all of a sudden, just like a Marine or an Army soldier, you about face, you, and you're headed the other direction. Am I right, Larry? About face. Turns you in the opposite direction, right? You see, repentance is when we turn from our sin. Confession is when we admit it. Repentance is when we turn from our sin. If we don't confess and repent of our sin, we're, 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 we, we just continue to chain up Jesus because He cannot work. He can, but He chooses not to work over abiding sin in our lives. This is good preaching. The next chain is the chain of unbelief. That chain of unbelief, I want you to know this. Every ounce of everything that you and I will get from God, that you have got received from God, or that you will get from God, everything that any of us in this room has from God has had to come through faith. None of you have seen God. None of you have touched Him. None of, none of, none, we read His Word. We see His, we see His character. We, you know, we, we think that this picture that, uh, was it da Vin, that Da Vinci painted that hangs in our, uh, homes and different places like that. We, we really think that's what Jesus looks like, but maybe He didn't, maybe He didn't. We don't know how accurate that is. Probably truth of the matter is, it's probably not accurate at all. But we must believe God and we must see God through the work of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, according to the King James definition found in Hebrews. I, I, I want to I, I share with you a little story. I've probably shared this before, but but it's a it's a story of a of a little woman, and and she lived like over in MacDowell County. Sarah and I were over in the county a few days ago, and man, it, you know it can be so beautiful, but man alive, you're either going uphill or you're going downhill. There's no flat land in MacDowell County, at least not where we've been. But it was a little woman, and she had this, she had this, she was a little woman, had a little house that sat behind the, right, right up against the mountain. And, and, and as it sat right up against the mountain, the, the, the warmth of the sun only hit her house just for a, a couple hours at the most of day. And she turned in her Bible 
And, and she began to read Matthew 18 and 19. And Matthew 18 and 19 says, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again, I truly tell you that if two of you on earth can agree upon touching anything they ask for, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. She read that in her Bible. She goes out and she looks at that mountain that, that darkened her house. As she looked at that mountain, as she prays, God, I believe you're going to move that mountain. As she goes back in her house all night long, she prays, God, I believe you're going to move that mountain. You're going to move that mountain that your sun may shine on my house tomorrow. She gets up the next day. She walks to the back of her little house and she opens the door and she looks up and sure enough, there is the mountain. The little woman said, that's what I thought. It's still there. That may be the extreme in an illustration. But here's the thing I want to point out to you. She never believed at all that the mountain would be removed. She had the expectation when she opened the door that the mountain will still be there. You see, when we really exercise faith, faith has to come with an expectation and an expectation that God is going to carry forth or carry through with whatever we've asked. So we're, we, so, so we've got Jesus chained up. Jesus is chained up. He has five chains. He, he has five chains. He's locked up. What are we going to do? You know whose fault it is? It's the fault of self. Self has bound up Jesus to do the work that he wants to do. All right, Jesus, I need Jesus, I need you to get up and come running to me in life. Come to me, Jesus. Come, come run to me, Jesus. Come, come, come on, Jesus, run to me. Jesus, I need to embrace. I need to feel your hug. I need to feel your hug. You see, we have Jesus bound up. We have him bound. We have him bound up. If you would, and I realize, okay, yes, theologically we can't bind him up. He's bound by no man. But yet, we bind him up. We bind him up. Go running, go running over there to self. Go running to self. And Jesus is wanting to do so much, but he can't. But the reason he can't is because of the change that self has put on him. Are you with me? So Jesus, you can sit back down. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, we have to unlock those chains. So as we begin to unlock the chains, there's keys to every lock. Every one of these locks has a key. Unfortunately, we haven't marked them. No, no, we have. Every one of these locks have a key, and those keys have been identified. We did color code them for ease of, of, of carrying this out. But there is a key. So self, self has the keys to unlock the chains that have bound up the working of the Holy Spirit. You see, for the, for the, for the, the, the chain of submission, for that chain of submission, or for the chain of rebellion, excuse me. 
for the chain of rebellion, for the, for, for the rebellion that has locked, locked up Jesus, it's going to take submission. The, you know, we, we misquote a scripture. One of the most misquoted scriptures in all of the scripture is, people will say, Submit yourself to the Lord. They'll say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But the Bible says, submit yourself therefore unto God, then resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, submission. Go ahead, go ahead and, 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 and take off that chain of rebellion because now self is submitting. Throw the chain away. Self is, self is submitting to Jesus. The second chain you'll find there is uh, is the chain of apathy. And what will unlock the chain of apathy is a passion. You know, we will we will we will we will chase after what we're passionate about. My granddaughter my granddaughter's people talk all the time and you all most of you all know she's really pursues music with a passion. She's passionate about it. She eats and sleeps and breathes it all the time. She has a passion for it. Some of you all are athletes. So you younger people. Some of, some of you all have other pursuits in life that you passionately pursue. But are we passionately pursuing the things of God? Or are we apathetic about the things of God? Because our me on self has to come first. So, so then all of a sudden we unlock that chain of apathy. And we unlock that chain with the key of passion. And the chain of apathy falls off. Many people find themselves struggling. You're struggling with religion. You know church. You grew up in church. You, you, you think you understand church. You think you, because I grew up in church. I, I, I know of a gentleman one, on one occasion here, been a number, number of years ago, he met a, a young pastor and, and it was pastoring a certain church and, and he asked that young pastor, he said, how many years have you been saved? He said, I don't ever recall being saved. He said, I just always grew up in the church. You see, religion religion will bring us into a form and a fashion, but it won't bring us into godliness. That can only be achieved through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we baptized last week. Baptism is good, but you can be baptized till, of course, we don't have any minors in that thing. There may be a, there may be a, a few of those, uh, uh, stink bugs back there or something like that. You know, they're everywhere this time of year. But you, you can be, you can go over to the river and you can be baptized till every crawl dad knows your social security number and every minor actually has your credit card number with the little three digit ID pin on the back. And that will not put you in a relationship with God. That relationship with God is going to come through an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ where you walk with Him and you talk with Him all along the way. 
You see, and relationship will unlock the chains of religion. A lot of times, Jesus is bound to the change of religion because it's the way granny and grandma did it. It's the way my, it's, bless God, it's the way my, my grandpappy built that church and this is the way we've always done it. Forget about all that stuff. Get yourself in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and let the chain of religion fall off of you. And there it goes. And then there's the, the unlocking the chain of the forbidden treasure. That unconfessed and or unrepentant sin. Admitting you see, you, you can never be saved without admitting you're a sinner. You can never be a saved without admitting, I need to repent. Let me, let me tell y'all something right now, and this ain't gonna make me popular. If I wanna be popular, I'd open me up a franchise selling Hershey's ice cream, okay? But if you're saved and it hasn't changed your life, there's something wrong. I got two amens. If you have been saved and your life hasn't changed, there is something amiss. There is something wrong. Okay? I'm not saying you zapped into perfection. I, I grew up in that stuff, okay? I grew up in that stuff. That stuff will, that's religion. That'll drive you crazy. We done, we done, we done broke the chain of religion. But there, there is, there is with truly, with confessing there and truly repenting that brings forth newness. A new creature in Christ Jesus. You're not zapped into perfection. You know, I'm not saying you're never going to make a mistake, but, but your priorities and the things that you, you indulge in in life are most likely, in fact, they are going to change. So you unlock, you unlock that chain of unrepentance. You unlock that chain of unconfessed sin. And, and suddenly, now, there, there's, there's only one chain left. And that's the chain of unbelief. And to unlock that chain of unbelief, you need to have faith arising in you. You said, preacher, I don't have no faith. You just told a bad, bad, I'll be nice about it, I'll call it a fib. You just told a bad, bad fib if you said you don't have any faith. Because you just contradicted the Word of God. Because the Word of God said unto every man there is given a measure of faith. You can, it would be impossible for you to get saved without faith. It's impossible for you to be healed without it's impossible for anything to occur in your life, anything spiritual. God, God, if you would, influence to occur in your life without. So you have faith, but what you, what you and I have to do is we have to seek the Lord to, to, uh, uh, that our faith will grow. Even, listen, faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the Word of God. Anybody been able to dissect that and figure out what that's saying? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. Go to church. 
Hear the preacher preach. Hear the life group instructor, uh, a life group. Go, go to, go to this right here. The man, this thing right here, man, it, it'll sit here and it'll, it'll just play you the Bible all day long. For... When men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. And they took we, we have more access to the word right now than any generation there has ever been before us. Read it on paper. Read it on a tablet. Listen to it on your phone. You might still be old school and have cassette tapes. I don't care how you listen to it, but listen to the word of God. Because faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. And your faith is going, it can't help but grow if you apply the word to your life. And when your faith grows, then the chain of unbelief is thrown off. Now, Jesus, get up. Jesus, I need you to come running to me. Jesus, I need you to embrace me. Jesus, I need you to walk with me everywhere I go. We used to sing a song. That song went, Everywhere I go, the Lord is always with me. Everywhere I go, He's right there by my side. You see, because I have freed Jesus, it's really that He's not walking with me. I'm really walking with Him. So, the chains that keep us, the chains, they're not necessarily chains that bind us really as much as it is. We have chains that bind the Lord from doing what He wants to do in our life. But guess who has the power? Now, I started to call Pam and or send her a text and say, "Let's do that song, Break Every Chain." That's a good song, and it's, it's not it's not inappropriate. But listen, but but it's not about breaking every. We're not. It's not necessarily all about Jesus breaking every chain. We need His help in doing so. But you and I have got to shake off some chains. You and I have got to get rid of some stuff in our lives. And as we get rid of stuff in our lives, and, and, and now the chains are scattered on the ground. The chains are that have been unlocked. The locks have, have come open. And the chains are now just laying dead and on the ground. And Jesus is free to do exactly what He wants, not what you need Him to do, as much as what you want Him to do in your life. So this is what I want to ask you to do. Be careful that you don't step on these chains and trip up. But I want to leave them laying around up here. Every single person in this room, including me on self. We have chains. We have chains. We, 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 we all, from time to time. If not, not, maybe not every day, but you may, may every day in your life where you're walking that in your life right now. But, but we bind up what Jesus is wanting to do in our life. And we need to get rid of those chains.
Every single one of us. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hand. Is there, you know, is there anybody guilty of doing that? I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. Nobody's looking. Nobody's watching. No, raise your hand. I, yeah, I see all of those hands. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, those of you who don't raise your hands, you're lying. You know, no, no, no. All of us struggle with that from time to time. This is what I want to ask you to do right now. As many of you that can and will, I want you to come down here. And, and we, this morning, as we gather in, in the proximity of the altar here, I want us to just to pray and we're going to seek the Lord and we are going to confess. I want you to make a commitment to repentance. I want you to ask the Lord to, to help your faith to rise up in you. I want you to ask the Lord to help you to ditch apathy and to become passionate about the things of the kingdom of God. I believe that today we can come together and we can preach Jesus to do what He wants to do in our lives. Would you join me? Because you know what? The same Jesus I'm talking about is the same Jesus that said, Hey, if you ask for bread, do you think I'm going to give you a rock? If you ask for a fish, do you think I'm going to give you a snake? It's not what I want to do. I have good gifts for you. I have good gifts for you. That's the Jesus I'm talking about. He's a God that loves us so much. He created us with our own self-will that we may worship Him of our own free will. And in that free will... Sometimes we bind him up. Lord, today, God, we want you to, Lord, help us to be free. Help us to be free, God. Help us, help, Lord, may we, Lord God, may we begin to shake off. May we begin to shun the chains that have had us bound. God, today, Lord Jesus, we, we choose to cast off all matter of unbelief, Lord. Lord, any apathy, anything, anything, any unconfessed, any unrepented of sin, Lord God. Today, Lord Jesus, we come before you, Lord. Lord, we admit our weaknesses. We admit our, our failures. We admit, Lord, our, our fallacies. We, we admit, Lord God, our weaknesses, Lord. God, and we choose to repent today. We choose to turn our ways. We choose to turn our doings. We, we choose, Lord God. Today, Lord, to, to release you to inhabit our lives with all of your glory and all of your power, Lord God. Today we choose to allow your Holy Spirit, Lord, just to, to manifest in our lives, Lord God, the way that you want to. Lord, this is this is not about our agenda. It's not about it's not about our will. It's not about what we want. God, this this journey is about you, Lord. And today, Lord Jesus, we we submit ourselves to you, knowing God that that Lord, as you have a plan and you have a destiny for this journey that we're on. God, today, Lord, your ministry and your working in these lives, God, and then we're holding nothing back. We're holding nothing back from you today, Jesus. 
We're holding nothing back. We're, we're, there is no restraints, Lord God. Lord, we're casting off, Lord, every chain, every restraint. God, we're casting it off right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we are releasing You, Lord, right now to work in our lives. Lord, we're releasing You to work in our lives right now, Jesus. We want You to manifest. We want You, Lord God. We want Your kingdom to come. We want Your will to be done. Lord, we want You, God, to be doing Your thing in our lives. So today, we submit ourselves to You, Lord God. Lord, I'm reminded of the Scripture, the Word that says obedience is better than sacrifice. Today, Lord, I, I, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice will walk in obedience to Your Word, to Your will. Lord, we will be obedient servants. We'll be submissive servants, Lord. Lord, we will be servants that are passionate about our Master. We, Lord God, we, Lord God, are Your people. And Lord, You are our God. And Lord, we stand in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. And we declare that we are your church. And we will and we are blessed. And we refuse, we refuse to allow the petty things of our lives enter your will. In Jesus' name we pray. I wonder this morning if there's any person in this room any person in this room at all you've never been saved or maybe you've been saved but you've you've grown cold you've drifted far away and you say Pastor I need to recommit my life you've never been saved and you would like to say Pastor I would like to make a public public acknowledgement of receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You see, you don't have to come up front to an altar. You don't have to have the preacher to pray with you. You can receive Christ by faith right where you're at. But the fact of the matter is, when we make that public profession of our faith, then we have made a huge step of victory. So is there one person in this room this morning that says, Pastor, I need to rededicate my life. Pastor, I need to get saved. I've never been saved. Is there one in this room today?